Good afternoon and welcome to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get a harvest update for Southeast Manitoba. CAP Vice President Jake Eyre talks about his experience with STARS fundraising Rescue on the Island last week. And we'll hear from Sask Wheat's new executive director, Blair Goldade. The latest farm news and market numbers also coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Reporter Shannon Duick spoke with Mark Hutlett, who offered a crop harvest update for southeast Manitoba. Uh, Mark, we're talking about, uh, I guess, the harvest of some of the late-season crops. And uh, tell us, how are things going, I guess, with corn and soybeans right now? There has been very little uh, soybeans done so far, uh, at least in the, uh, in the immediate southeast area. There's been some early seed production done on some early maturing varieties. But I suspect that that won't get kick into full uh, full gear or full swing till till the end of the week on um, again the early varieties. What about the corn harvest? Uh, I guess uh, the the harvest of silage corn is is in full swing right now. It will be um, this week. Uh, last week we had uh, um, a fair amount of guys uh, start, uh, and then again basis on. The uh, days to maturity or the heat unit rating of the hybrids will dictate when they will, will start. And so some of the earlier corn planted early um, was uh, at the right moisture last week, and, and I think there'll be a lot of that falling into place uh, in the next few days. Mark, have you been hearing any reports of uh, what yields are looking like? Yes, we um, we had, because of the circumstances involved with the drought, there was a lot of and the shortage of feed stuff, there was a lot of concern with, you know, how it would yield. And so we had done a lot of uh, walk-in fields and assessments. And, and, and the overall picture, it's, it's actually coming in uh, a little bit better than what we had forecasted. So that, that's good news. All things considered, uh, better than forecast doesn't necessarily mean better than other years, right? Uh, no, I mean, our average, you know, our, our yeah, our long-term average, we're going to be below long-term average, um, but yet, given the circ- you know, circumstances we were put through, uh, better than what we thought. And so, they're, you know, they're, what we thought would do 8 ton is doing 10 ton. What we thought was doing 10 is probably doing closer to 12. There's a bit more grain content in the silage, which is, um, you know, adding to the to to the weight because it is the majority of the weight in silage is, is the kernels and so that's why um it's coming in in terms of that rain really helped mature that corn and put some meat on it and and that's why we're getting a few more tons and and that's great because there's a lot of um you know shortage of feed stuff in the area because of uh because of the drug do you know what the quality is like right now well, there's not too many tests that have come back yet, but uh, there'd be, even though the, the 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 total amount might be less, the ratio of grain to plant in that silage sample is excellent, and so there should be no reason why it should come in substandard. It, it'll be fine. There was concerns, um, you know, in the middle of this. Um, dry season that we would have nitrate issues but with all the rain at the end i just don't see that being a factor anymore i think it'll be great silage 
um, and a little bit better than what we thought would yield, but you know maybe not quite up to speed with our long-term number. Mark, do you care to comment on some of the other crops? I know, uh, noticed last week, certainly uh, a lot of uh, canola was taken off, and, uh, and uh, obviously uh, we still have uh, sunflowers out there. Do you care to comment on some of those, uh, how that harvest is going? Well, canola is almost wrapped up, um, and in a lot of farms it is. Um, boy, that was a tough, tough one this year with all the... Um, insect pressure and then also the complete sporadic <laughs> rainfall within the area. You know, we have several producers who might not average 15 and then all of a sudden you get a rain or two and, and then it, it, it moves up to 25 to 30. So there's, that's been a real, real tough one this year and, and probably the crop that, you know, took it the, the hardest by far. As far as uh grain corn, I'm, I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic that again, if there's more uh, tonnage in the silage, that means there's more grain. So there might be a little bit more grain in the corn than what we are, had originally anticipated. So that that could end up being a positive. The maturity on the grain corn is the biggest thing, and right now we we have really ramped that up in the last three weeks. We have a lot of corn that's reaching uh, brown layer. Some of it will reach black layer this week on the early varieties. That means the quality is going to be excellent. So that's a positive. And then sunflowers, they, some fields don't look overly tall, but if they they look like they filled up right to the middle, and that's usually where you get your extra pounds. So it could still be an above-average crop on those sunflowers, even though they're they're half the size of what they should be. That was Shannon Duick in conversation with Mark Hutlett. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Time for a look at today's farm news. I'm Candace Dirksen. Harvest progress in Manitoba has pushed past the halfway mark. Manitoba Agriculture's Dane Fraze has the latest. We're seeing harvest completion ratchet up this week. Uh, those pesky rains from the previous two weeks have stopped and allowed for some good harvest conditions. So we saw a rapid jump in harvest completion, moving from 50 to 65% done, largely as a result of cereals being more or less finished and a huge push into canola across the western half of the province. Early harvest, coupled with extreme drought stress, has pushed harvest earlier for most crops, ahead of the five-year harvest completion average of 61% for this week in September. Canola production is expected to fall 34.4% in 2021, as drought conditions on the prairies drove yields to their lowest level in a decade, offsetting higher harvested area. As outlined in the latest Stats Canada model-based principal field crop estimates report, if this were to happen, this would be the lowest canola production since 2010. Neil Townsend with FarmLink offers his thoughts. Well, it's going to be a big predicament because, uh, you know, the demand structure both domestically and offshore for canola sort of suggests we need, you know, ballparkish like 20 to 22 million tons of supply and i mean we're just not going to have that we're going to have somewhere if we're lucky between uh you know 14 and 15 million tons maybe closer to 15 million tons depending on the ending stocks and and that's just a scenario where um we have to do significant demand rationing in manitoba canola yield is expected to fall 21.3 percent to 32.6 bushels per acre 
and harvested area to edge up 0.1% to 3.4 million acres, resulting in a 21.1% production decrease. And it appears the weather trend of warmer and drier than normal will continue for southern Manitoba. Jack Burnett with the Old Farmer's Almanac tells us what they're forecasting for the fall months. It looks like maybe uh, a degree uh, a degree warmer than normal and uh, maybe something like, uh, you know, 20 millimeters less uh, precipitation than normal. Meanwhile, Burnett says they're forecasting the first snow showers for us around October 18th to 20th. That was a look at your farm news. I'm Candace Dirksen. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Thursday, September 16th. I'm Candace Dirksen. Coming up today, reporter David Zamet speaks with the new executive director for Sask Wheat, Blair Goldade. Blair Goldade has been named the new executive director of Sask Wheat. Reporter David Zamet spoke with him about this opportunity. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's very exciting for me, and I guess it's kind of a natural um, extension of my career development over the years. Um, I've worked at Sask Wheat since 2014 and previously with Agriculture Council of Saskatchewan prior to that. So, you know, I've been actively involved in the farming community and, and uh, organizations that have an impact with farmers and, and the work that they do. So, you know, this natural transition is quite exciting for me, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity to basically lead Sasquatch as an executive director going forward. I am in transition still, our current uh, general manager, and they have changed the terms from general manager to executive director, but he's, uh, Harvey Brooks isn't done until October the 15th. So we have a bit of a transition period, which is, is a good thing because it allows me to get up to speed on some of the files that I'm probably not as, as, as comfortable with or as well-versed in, such as policy and advocacy. Um, I have served as the research program manager uh, during my time at Sasquatch, so when it comes to the research portfolio, I have a pretty strong understanding of of what we're doing in, in the research area. But again, advocacy and policy areas are probably something that will take some time to get up to speed on. That being said, you know, we, we do have a very talented and committed team of staff here at Sasquatch, and we've recently added an agronomy extension specialist, so that's exciting for us and should be exciting for producers because the work that will result from that position will definitely you know, have a direct impact on producers um, through some extension of agronomy um, research that we have funded in the past and another uh, communication vehicle such as um, uh, some of the uh, news or some of the articles that uh, that Haley is posting with regards to different agronomic uh, practices that farmers can incorporate into their programs. And then she's doing some works with uh, with the blogs and that sort of thing, providing additional agronomy information for producers. So very exciting times this last week, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the new the new role. Now, I guess, give me a bit of background on yourself. You did a little bit there, but give me, a, I guess, just more on, on what you had done up until this point and, and uh, your sure. background, I guess, in the agriculture uh, field, kind of. Yeah, so um, when I was at Agriculture Council of Saskatchewan, we administered federal aid Canada programming through adaptation programming. So uh, there was a number of well-known programs, which many organizations in Saskatchewan accessed at the time, from uh, CARDS programming to ACAS programming, and I think the last one was, was CAP programming. 
So it's basically funding to allow organizations to do things like business plans and market assessments and analysis, um, feasibility studies, and then also, you know, other areas of interest that they might need to invest in from product development, value-added initiatives, and those sorts of things. So that was an exciting time um, at ACS. Uh, ACS also does um, have an entity within its organization called Levy Central, and Levy Central really is, is the main organization in the province that collects levies on behalf of many organizations, including Fast Wheat, um, as a central collection house for the levies, um, which are then distributed to the organizations for them to invest into uh, research and market development and advocacy, communications, and those sorts of things. So uh, the last two years that I was at ACS, I was executive director. So, so those were you know interesting times. And then the natural progression, I, I, at that time in 2004, um, sorry, rather 2014, rather, decided that it was time for a, a change in careers. And thus, we had a posting, uh, posting open for research program manager. I felt it kind of fit my skill set. So I, I inquired about it and had an interview and was selected as the research program manager at SAS Week and have been in that position right since 2014. So, uh, you know, I kind of, over the, over the course of those years, I've really come, I think, to understand the, the culture and pulse of Fast Week, and uh, I've worked with a number of different directors at the board level at Fast Week, and I really must say that over the years, we really have had a historically very dedicated and informed and uh, uh, committed directors uh, to lead the direction of Fast Week. So it's been an exciting time to be, you know, at Fast Week right from the start through to where we currently are, which is a much more mature organization and doing a lot more than we initially did when we were first formed. I should probably mention as well, David, that that I still am a bit of a grassroots farmer. I'm still actively involved in our family farm out in the Eston area. Um, so I'm some of that free labor. I think they like uh, to see show up during harvest and seeding time, but I do enjoy my time out there playing in the soil and, and talking with producers and family about farming issues, um, real farming issues at the grassroots level. Now, what are you hoping to do uh, now that you're uh, taking or stepping into the helm? Well, you know, I think Fast um, Week has a lot of uh, a number of different issues that are on the on the slate and, and that we're currently working with. Uh, as you know, the impact of the severe drought and heat during this growing season is is definitely on the top of minds of, of our producers. We recently collaborated with other crop commissions to call for administration fees and penalties and contracts and for those to be renegotiated due to extreme conditions and to extend the enrollment deadline for agri stability. So, you know, that's a file that we're very active in. We certainly know that most of the yields are going to be poor across the province, but uh, I think there's hope that the quality will be okay and what people are able to get off and that there are still some marketing opportunities out there for our producers. Um, environmental stressors are certainly something that we've concentrated on at Fast Week for several years on the research side, and of course that's my my bread and butter. And funding projects that lead to varieties which have traits right into the seed, making the variety less susceptible to things like drought and heat, and that keeps yields and high quality in in these challenging years, such as the one we're experiencing, are very important for our producers. So we do invest a significant amount of producer levies into those sorts of research initiatives. So you've got- um, you got yourself quite a few things to to kind of sift through in the in the coming day uh, coming days and weeks and months. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I guess with my main role as research program manager, we're going to have to transition that position as well as as I take over the roles of executive director. So 
the research portfolio I can really speak to, you know, over the inception of, um, um, in fact, we began in 2014. We are now a fully operational mature research funding portfolio, which is in excess of $52 million in funding. And it facilitates more than 200 million in strategic research projects, which really are facilitated through a coordinated research calls and funding collaboration with our many other funders. So when I first started at SAS, we, we had a couple of projects that were invested uh, with the research portfolio. So you can see the growth and in, in magnitude of that investment of producer levies into research. So that's critically important. Uh, a couple of other key points I'd like to talk on with research as well. Um, the Canadian Wheat Research Coalition, um, which is uh, funding partners are SAS Wheat, Alberta Wheat, and Manitoba Crop Alliance. We assumed joint funding of those core wheat breeding agreements for agriculture and agri-food Canada, along with the three Perry universities, that being University of Alberta, University of Saskatchewan at the CDC, and University of Manitoba. And that's an investment of approximately $34.6 million. So, you know, a significant amount of uh, funding towards those core breeding agreements. And these have been really major accomplishments for the Western Canadian Wheat Commissions and for SAS Wheat as a, as a funding partner in that organization. Um, Canadian Wheat Research Coalition is also uh, the proponent of the Canadian National Wheat Cluster through the ACAN Agri-Science Program under, under CAP. This is a $25 million initiative with A-Canada providing $11 million and industry providing $14 million in funding, so that's basically producers. And SAS Wheat is the administrator of this cluster, and I serve as the science coordinator. So, again, some critical investments. Uh, into wheat research and the cluster programming through A-Canada. And we are actually currently in development of the next wheat cluster application to the AgriScience cluster program. It's well underway, and we've recently released a letter of intent call out to all researchers across Canada, which is due at the end of September. So it'll take about a year and a half to get that uh, uh, LOI through to full proposals and then the entire application package together to submit to, to the AgriScience program uh, in a year and a half's time. So that's a major funding investment as well. That was Blair Goldate, the new executive director of Sask Wheat. That's it for the Prairie Agwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. The Prairie Agwire will return Friday on the Golden West Farm Network. now for a look at your farm calendar. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is available online. This is endorsed by the province of Manitoba and Manitoba Wildlife Federation. Visit huntercourse.com to register. Looking ahead, Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is holding an introduction to Holistic Management Mondays beginning October 4th and running until November 8th. These online sessions will be held from 6 to 7 p.m. Registration is required. And on Tuesdays, Verified Beef Production Plus webinars are being held at 7 o'clock. These interactive webinars allow participants to view presentations as well as ask questions in real time. Pre-registration for the evening webinar is required, so contact Melissa Atchison at 204-264-0294 or email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. 
Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon. Jake Eyre last week raised about $60,000 for Stars Air Ambulance. The Minto area farmer and vice president of Keystone Ag Producers was one of four participants in this year's Rescue on the Island. Each person was tasked with raising $50,000. Barry Lamb spoke with Eyre about the experience. It's such a large number just to even say it to begin with, but I know uh, when I went in, we were, we reached up with the goal of, of $50,000 to raise. And personally, I, I didn't think it was an achievable goal for, for myself, but I, I'm so thankful for, for all the people that reached out, donated all, all the local Westman and area businesses that donated, supported me, contributed to my fundraiser, shared my posts on, on social media, and, and got the job done for you know an organization that saves lives every day. And last time I looked, you were approaching sixty thousand dollars. So you got to be pleased with your own efforts. I, like I said before, I'm shocked with you know just how generous everyone has been. And you know, through, throughout my my journey here, fun, fundraising money for stars, I've had people reach out to me personally and, and tell me their stories. You know, farmers, rural people in, in the West Man and Southern Manitoba areas who have utilized Stars Service and. Everyone uh, has, has echoed that same sentiment of, I will gladly contribute to this cause. It's an organization that saved lives, and it saved my life. And what did you do on the island? What was happening uh, on September 9th? Yeah, so we had quite a few things going on. So we were, we were taken out to a remote island uh, in the eastern part of the province, somewhere near Pinawa. I know I lost cell service, so I wasn't quite sure exactly where we were. But, uh, yeah, we were taken out to an island, and first thing we had to do is we did a signal-building challenge where we were trying to, signal I we had a Hercules uh, bomber plane flying over us uh, the Canadian Army was out uh, helping and so we had to try and build a signal to flag them down and and then once we'd done that there was two search and rescue techs from the army who who parachuted out of the plane in, in front of us and, and landed on the water which was quite a feat uh, you know professionalism athleticism of, of the search and rescue techs and then we had a fundraising challenge on the island we, we had a medical challenge where we had to you know, treat a, a simulated uh, medical accident uh, on the island there. There was a, a chainsaw involved and uh, you know, some wounds. And, and then we learned uh, how to administer an IV and, and intubate, a, intubate a patient. And then to wrap things off at the end of the day, we, we learned uh, what they have to do to land the helicopter in, in all these remote locations and, you know, highways and areas of, of rural Manitoba. So we had to flag out a site and, and I got to be the one or I was, uh, you know, sacrifice to the land maybe to, to hold up the batons and, and flag the helicopter and, and show where it had to land. And this is a fundraiser. It's for stars. How important do you feel that service is to this area? I mean, I talked to the crew. I, I had a, a buddy, what they call was one of the stars critical care paramedics. He, he actually grew up on a farm in Southern Manitoba. And even before he was in stars, uh, he said to me about rural health care and just how remote we are. Stars flies on average two missions a day. Um, in our rural and remote areas, their biggest goal is, is time. And, and they say time sometimes in some of these instances is critical. And that time getting to a health care center can be the life or, or death difference. You know, as a farmer, as someone who works and lives in a rural area, it gives me peace of mind knowing that we have this helicopter and this service in our area. That was Barry Lamb in conversation with Keystone Ag Producers Vice President Jake Eyre, who last week participated in Stars Air Ambulance Rescue on the Island.
Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. And now for another look at today's farm news. Canadian farm operators are projected to produce less wheat, canola, barley, soybeans and oats than in 2020, according to Stats Canada's latest model-based principal field crop estimates report. Neil Townsend with FarmLink describes expected market impacts. For canola and for spring wheat and for you know, lentils and pulses. I mean, you know, Canada is such a key producer of those that the price structure is going to be very attractive for the year. Now, unfortunately, many farmers don't have product to take advantage of those prices, but it should set us up for, you know, potentially some good opportunities to make some sales on new crops. But, you know, the canola price has to kill more demand, in my opinion. So canola prices will probably remain high throughout the entire marketing year and into next year. Townsend notes the U.S. corn and soybean crop is perceived as being bigger than expected, having escaped most of the drought. And he says this has weighed on those commodity prices. Forage and pasture regrowth is now sufficient to support grazing without feed supplementation in most areas. Manitoba Agriculture's Dane Fraze offered an update. Right now, most cattle producers are quite pleased. Um, Forage regrowth has been better than expected with the uh, recent rains, and we're seeing pastures able to support uh, grazing now, and most pastures are not having to have supplemental feed brought to the cattle. Um, This is reducing some of the stress on livestock farmers to supply uh, feed from their overwinter supplies, but we are still seeing feed supplies being short, so cattle producers are still looking to bale and find alternate feeds wherever possible. Harvest completion across all regions of the province is 65%, ahead of the five-year average of 61%, led by cereals and a significant increase in harvested canola acres this past week. And the Old Farmer's Almanac is forecasting a fall that's warmer and drier than normal for southern Manitoba. And managing editor Jack Burnett says it will be some time yet before we see any of the white stuff. Looks like the first snow showers. You know, the first uh, spittings, we might call them, um, right around the 20th of October. And then the first real uh, kind of uh, arrival of of heavier snow showers around the 20th of November. Looking ahead to winter, the Old Farmer's Almanac is calling for one that is milder, but wetter than normal for southern Manitoba. And we've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email at thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. We'll meet you back here tomorrow at 12 o'clock.